0: And welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. And today I have one of my newer friends, Jonathan Emanuel, and I became friends just this calendar year when he invited me onto his podcast called Right to Real Love. And I have to say that I do lots of podcasts every year, but never have I felt such an electric connection to the host as I did with Jonathan because his passion for single people just so shined through and he asked just phenomenal questions and I feel like we could have had a 3 hour conversation in that 30 minute podcast but we cut it short and I told him upon parting I got to have you on my show and so I am very grateful that Jonathan was willing to come on this time and have kind of a part B conversation of what we talked about last time. Uh, On the previous episode, we talked to Dr. Corey Allen about three ways that couples self-sabotage the relationship. But I thought, you know what, I want to do a similar conversation for single people, because I think that there are lots of single people out there who really want to find a mate, who want to have a lifetime committed relationship, who want to start a family and grow old together. But quite frankly, they just don't get very far into the relationship before they get cold feet or panic or just become too critical of the other person or whatever. So I invited Jonathan Emanuel on today to share with us uh, ways that single people self-sabotage their relationships so that. For those of you single people who are listening could maybe catch a glimpse of what is possible. So, Jonathan, thank you for making the time to come on and be a part of Sexual Confidence on Tap.
1: Oh, man. Shannon, it is truly an honor. I had such a, such a fun time with you on the podcast over on Right to Real Love. In case the listeners are interested, we were talking about sexual desires while single. So definitely if your single listeners out there haven't heard that discussion, they should definitely check it out. You were dropping so many gems and I promise you, Shannon, I got a few emails from people from that episode because they enjoyed it so much and it was truly an honor having the opportunity to speak with you and have you as a guest on the podcast. So I appreciate you returning that invitation.
0: You, you bet. How can people find your podcast, Jonathan?
1: Most definitely. So any podcast app that you listen to, you can find Right to Real Love Radio. So that's Apple Podcast, Stitcher Radio, or you can head over to the website, righttoreallove.com, and you can definitely listen to it there as well.
0: Now, I remember Right to Real Love, R-E-A-L, is an acronym. Do I yes, remember is. that correctly? That's
1: right. What does right. that stand for? It stands for Right to Relationship Empowerment and Lifetime Love. I feel like what we do on the podcast through our discussions is empower people to have better relationships, and ultimately, we want lifetime love. Nobody wants to just have that temporary love. We're looking for something that will last.
0: And I know that there are probably some single women hearing your voice and thinking, what? He's single? (laughs) Is it true? Are you single, Jonathan?
1: Yes, I am single. And part of it is going to be about our discussion today because I have definitely self-sabotaged in the past as a single man. So I, I am willing, I am ready to open up and talk about the mistakes that I've made and some of the things that I've done to sabotage myself and relationships that I could have been in. So yeah, most definitely
0: speaking from personal experience is always a strong stage to stand on it sounds like yes. you've graduated from the school of hard knocks a couple times huh
1: yes i'm definitely <laughs> of the class that has to hit their head against the wall a few times but i promise you after the knot heels, i'm usually good <laughs>
0: <laughs> how old are you just out of curiosity i'm
1: 35
0: okay and what geographic region do you live in
1: i'm in michigan
0: Okay, all right. Born and up in, raised. <laughs> up, in, up in the, uh, like, do you show people your hand and point out on your palm where you live? Well, in
1: Michigan? I don't, because usually I say Detroit, and then most people are like, oh, okay, either they're afraid of Detroit, and they're like, I've heard of that place, I never want to visit, or I have people who's like, I've heard of Detroit, I've actually passed through there in the airport, and that's typically what people use to say. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, and you're far enough away from Flint that you don't have to worry about drinking the water in Detroit, right? Oh,
1: man, yo, that was such a tragic situation, and, you know, <laughs> everybody that was impacted by that, it's it's crazy how long yeah. that went on, and, you know, I'm definitely blessed to have not been in an area that was impacted by that, but, yeah, so many people were.
0: Yeah, I have lots of family in that area, and I also have family and friends in the Detroit area. So I know that there's a lot of good things coming out of Detroit. I totally believe that that city is going to turn itself around and have a great big renaissance soon. And I think it's people like you who just care about other people who are going to bring this type of renaissance about. So give us a renaissance today, Jonathan. I know that so many people (laughs) look at singleness as the season that you want to hurry up and end. But my guess is is that you have a very different perspective that you promote for single people who listen to you, right?
1: I definitely do. Going back to the inception of the Rights Real Love Radio podcast back in 2014 in May, one of the main objectives that we wanted to come out of the gate letting people know is that single is more than a relationship status. And that was something that I really harped on for the first year and a half of the content that we were putting out on the podcast. Because I think when people see the word single, they automatically assume that it just entails what their relationship status is. But really singleness is about who you are as a person, the ways that you're improving and working on yourself and developing into the person that ultimately God created you to be.
0: Well, and I do think that um, many single people feel incomplete without a partner. But right. I also think that a lot of married people think, why did, why did I do this to myself? I could have enjoyed life so much more if I was single. So I always encourage <laughs> people, just try to make the best out of your single years. And you'll, you'll attract a much more quality mate if you've learned to enjoy life on your own by yourself, because then you bring that positive energy into the relationship to all, all right, that stuff. Uh, why don't you start off with what do you think is the biggest way that singles self-sabotage relationships?
1: Now this one right here, I can definitely say it it has my name written all over it because (laughs) I was definitely this person and I definitely have sabotaged myself in the past by doing this. So it is being in search of or expecting perfection. Literally thinking that the other person is going to be perfect, that you're going to find your perfect match, that they're not going to have any flaws or any areas that need to be improved, that they're just going to be the one. Yeah, I definitely fell for that. And it was one of my big bros. Actually, we were recording a podcast a few years ago, and I had mentioned that in the midst of our discussion. And he was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, little bro. Did you just say you expect for her to be perfect? And I was like, you know, like when somebody kind of check you, like you, you kind of cautious about responding. I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> he was like, nah, bro, like as a married man, now nah, yeah, she's not going to be perfect. And in that moment, Shannon, I totally threw away the perception that the woman that I was looking for was going to be perfect. And just the wisdom that he gave me that day just really helped me to see things from a more realistic perspective. And I've slowly been able to get out of that desire for perfection as I've come along since that day.
0: I love it. I knew that expectations were going to make your list. That was certainly on the list of things that we talked about that couples do to sabotage their relationship. So it makes sense that Mm -hmm. single people would also struggle with this. How much do you think that expectations of perfection are fueled by Hollywood and romance novels and porn, oh, definitely. things of that nature.
1: I would say even, I would. here's the thing, before all of those that you list, all of those make the list right, but I would say social media, Instagram and Facebook, oh my <laughs> gosh, like they have people's expectations. You know, the whole hashtag relationship goes, man, like people have run with that stuff. And I think it totally warps people's perspectives of what healthy love and healthy relationships and what an ideal partner looks like thing that we have to realize is that social media is going to be people's highlight reel nobody's going to show you that argument that they had nobody's going to show you that their husband leaves his underwear and socks on the floor and she always has to go pick them up nobody's going to talk about the fact that oh man his wife's cooking isn't the best she does this that or the third that isn't the way that he desires people often don't talk about those things and they definitely do not put their fights on public display or their arguments or their disagreements and I don't think that that's Is the place to express or display those things, but I think it gives people who are watching the impression that oh man, they're just so perfect, and I want my family to be just like them. And that's I that's honestly dangerous, especially when you consider the power of our tongue. You know, death and life resides in the tongue. That power, and if a person is saying out of their mouth, "I want a marriage or a relationship like X Y Z couple." Oh my gosh, if they don't know what that couple looks like outside of what they see on the highlight reel, they don't even know what they may actually be attracting to themselves in the future. And then when they get in an unhealthy relationship, their, their mind is baffled, like, why is this person like this? But they may not even equate it to the fact, hey, you actually prayed and spoke this into existence. You just didn't know what was behind that curtain.
0: I've often heard that the thing that drives you craziest in a good way prior to marriage will be Uh the exact same thing that (laughs) drives you crazy in a negative way after marriage. But yeah, I, I completely agree with we can't compare our worst moments with Facebook and Instagram's best moments. I always find it interesting when a couple comes to me for coaching, oftentimes I will ask, is it okay if I look up Uh, you know, like if one of them comes to me without their partner, I'll say, well, do you mind if I look up your picture on Facebook so I can envision what your partner looks like? And yeah, they always just look like this glowing, happy, happy, happy (laughs) couple. And it's like, from what I'm hearing, there's a different story in the background. So we, we all have these though. We, we Mm -hmm. all wear our happy face for the camera, but Mm -hmm. behind the scenes, we all struggle, but that's, That's the purpose of a relationship is it's like a butterfly coming out of a cocoon. We struggle so that we can strengthen ourselves so that we can fly. So now let's talk about another way that singles often sabotage that concept of the one. I'm looking for (laughs) the one. Oh, is he the one? Is she the one? Do you believe that there's a one?
1: Oh man. So like, I guess to keep it surface level <laughs> I'm gonna keep it surface level i'm not I'm not gonna i i'm I'm not gonna take a deep spiritual dive like on a surface level, this is the way that I perceive it uh Shannon. I look at it from the perspective of I think that there are multiple people that we all have the opportunity to meet in our lives, right most people will say you know there's eight billion or six billion people in the world, and you know you have so many different options and people to choose from. Ultimately, I think the one is the one that we choose. I think that that is going to be my stance regardless, is the one is the one that you choose. Now, if I was to go a little bit deeper beyond the surface level, I'll put it like this. When you really weigh each of our lives, the pool of potential candidates or spouses is really small. When you consider... How many people there are in the world, we think, oh man, where I got eight billion or six billion people to choose from. You really don't. Mm-hmm. When you consider the fact that in most cases, we live in one particular area. We go to different types of places and it's limited how many people we're gonna even interact with. I think at for a best
0: specific age range, a specific right. value set. Yeah. It's we yeah. have pretty we have pretty small parameters when you really look at the big picture of what we could wind up with
1: right and that started to change my perspective where i started to see that the the potential spouse that we have is from a very small candidate of people because when we look at it from the overview right if we zoom in beyond the, the 6 billion we get to that small number let's say everywhere that we've ever lived everywhere that we've ever worked or gone to school or worked out or went and interacted let's say that there's a total of 50 people that are of the opposite gender that we could potentially meet now when you consider how many of them we actually are actually attracted to i think you could probably take probably 75 percent of the people away just because somebody is male or female doesn't mean that we're actually going to be attracted to them that means that that pool of people is even smaller then when you take not just the fact that you're attracted to them but considering the fact that when you actually start to get to know the people who you would actually want to be in a relationship with, literally that number probably comes down to less than 10 people. And when you get down to it, for most of us, it, probably not even that many, which means that our selection of the one is really slim, which I think lends itself to the fact that there is some divine. I guess, participation in this process, because everything God knows, we know that he's all knowing everything that happens with our lives is ordered. There's nothing that doesn't, that happens in our life that he isn't aware of. So from that stance, on a little deeper level, I think that there is a one. God clearly knows whether or not we'll get married and who we'll choose. He'll know that or he knows that already. Mm -hmm. We don't. So that's what I would say. On the surface level, I would tell people, hey, you got a huge pool to choose from. And ultimately, who you choose, that's the one. But if we really start to look at it on a deeper spiritual level, when we really start to consider all of the factors, there's very few people that we have the ability to choose from. And ultimately, it's probably just a handful of people. And God already knows who that one is. So that's my take on it.
0: I have to agree wholeheartedly with you across the board on that. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, <major.
0: laughs>
1: except for. <laughs> okay, there we go. There we go. Like, oh, this is so rare. Like, I agree with you 100%. Well, This is what makes our discussion so good. <laughs> our I com- different perspectives. <laughs> yeah,
0: I completely agree that when you really look at the number of people that you'd be willing to commit the rest of your life to to live with right. to grow old with to have sex with to have family with to you know to pay bills with all that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah i agree that the the pool gets significantly smaller In comparison to the rest of the world and that what we're looking for is someone who resonates with us spiritually Mm -hmm. sexually emotionally relationally and who also reciprocates like it it, that would not be fun if we had those feelings about somebody and they didn't have those feelings about us
1: right
0: dot 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 here's where i (laughs) here's where i would differ with you but you know that's what i love about this show is that yes and and her friends can you know we can agree to disagree and celebrate each other's perspectives because that's
1: how we grow
0: Ultimately, at the end of the day, the only people that we have any say-so over is ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I just like to equip listeners with fodder for thought such that they can navigate their own relational waters. But the concept of there is one person on the planet that God intends for you to find and then marry and have children with and live happily ever after with. I think that that would be a really cruel God that that to me sounds like a needle in a haystack theology of, yeah, God has one person They're one in eight billion, good luck finding that one. So I agree the pool is significantly smaller than the population, but I also think that there is multiple directions that you could go. So I encourage people again to just consider, does the person that you have in your life Do they have the the basic qualities that you are really looking for in a person do you hold similar values do you feel a spiritual connection to them is there some sort of sexual chemistry between the two of you such that you would want to be intimate with them um do you have similar goals for life in general etc cetera, etc cetera. but ultimately at the end of the day uh i would not want a perfect person Because I would think that if you're in a relationship with someone that you do perceive as perfect, you might be thinking at first, woohoo, I hit the jackpot. He's so perfect or she's so perfect. But then I would feel really even more flawed than I actually am. To live with a perfect person, you have to really put them high up on a pedestal in your mind, which means that you're always down on the ground. I would rather be with someone who is flawed like me so that I feel as if, we, you know, that we're two peas in a pod and that we'll have to have patience with each other's flaws and shortcomings. Would you agree that you really don't want a perfect woman? Do you, Jonathan?
1: I don't even think a perfect woman exists, (laughs) let let alone what I want her, because one of the most important things that I've learned about our journey here on this earth is improving and refining our character. And I can't do that with somebody that's perfect. Like you mentioned, it has to be those little things that frustrate me, that help me to develop those characters. And it may not be an issue to her, but I may perceive that her tardiness or her, her I guess you could say time consciousness or lack thereof is an issue using that as an example it may not be an issue at all. If you were to go and survey a hundred people, a hundred people may say like, nah, everything is good. But from my perspective, it's an issue. Not because she's flawed in that area, but because it's it's there to develop something within me. So from that perspective, no, I wouldn't want to be with a perfect woman just because I think that I need her to have imperfections at the very least that I perceive within her so that it can make me a better person and likewise.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's iron sharpens iron that we're just looking to help each other become better. So I'm curious, when do you think is too soon or when do you think is the right time to talk openly about your flaws? Do you think that that needs to come really, really early, like first or second or third date? Or do you think that that needs to just be on the back burner
1: see this all depends on the approach that people take when it comes to the development of their relationships So if we have two people who were friends prior to them entering into a romantic relationship, I would think that two friends would have already had that conversation to some extent. Maybe there are some things that you may open up a little bit further once you're in a relationship. So from the friendship perspective, if that's the starting place, I think that there will be a little bit more openness to do that. Now, if people are not developing friendships first and, you know, they just met somebody and they're going out with them, Clearly, I think that they need to exercise caution in the sense of you don't want to share too much too soon. So I think it's one of those things where you really have to have discernment. I don't think you necessarily need to follow your heart or your feelings, but be able to truly discern the spirit of that person, for lack of a better term, in regards to is this person taking the information that I'm giving them and utilizing it for our benefit, like mutually? Or is this person taking the things that I'm saying and using them against me or using them solely for their own benefit? I think when you're able to discern the character of that person and how they respond, and how they actually take the information that you have shared with them and what they do with it can give you a good indication as to when the right time is to start opening up and expressing some of the areas that you are potentially flawed in or that you're not perfect or you need to work on or are currently improving.
0: Mm-hmm. I know that ideally being friends first is, you know, always preferred, but some couples never really had that opportunity before they became a couple, I think one of the ways that single people often self-sabotage is that maybe they get really open about their flaws and shortcomings really early in the mm-hmm. relationship, like first or second date. And they feel as if, well, because I've been vulnerable about who I am, that that means this person should love me and accept me for who I am. And then they are devastated when mm. that person doesn't act them out again, or when, right. when it, when it has the opposite effect. So do you think that expecting a relationship to progress too quickly is also a self-sabotage tactic?
1: Most definitely. Most definitely. Expecting anything before it's time is very dangerous ground because we don't know what to expect. It's just like fruit. If it is picked before it's done or before it's actually ripe, what's going to happen? You're going to take a bite out of it. uh, It's going to be sour. It's going to be nasty. And more than likely, you're not going to finish it. Similarly, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves and start expressing things to a person in a place where they're not able to appreciate those nuances of the sweet and the sour that is us. And if a person is just taking that first bite and they just get a big chunk of sour and solely because that's what I offer them, I don't have anybody except myself to look at as the reason why that person potentially wasn't willing to wait it out and learn more about me and get to know that sweet side of me. I don't at the same time, because I, I think I have to be balanced. That doesn't mean that you only talk about good things and uh, the the things that are like your highlights. There has to be a balance. You have to kind of test people out, or at least I do. I like to test the waters. I'll drop a little bit here or there, like, yo, I'm working on this or I'm working on that. Using, for example, like the whole late thing, I may drop that on on a on a second or a third date and say, hey, you know, I used to really struggle with dealing with women who were tardy and you know it's such a a blessing to be in a position where I'm growing in that area where I've learned to be more patient and that could open up a conversation of how that person and myself perceive being patient and our perspective on time and tardiness or what have you
0: and your opportunity to ask for what you need if you're going to be more than five Mm -hmm. minutes later than we agreed I would really appreciate you just letting me know somehow because it just shows respect and yeah great point uh, so I'm going to ask you a really deep question before I let you go.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: this, this one is probably going to be the most loaded question yet. So just put it on your seatbelt. So Jonathan, I'm sure that everybody can hear by the tone of our conversation that, uh, we are both believers. And I think most people know that about me, but not every guest who comes on the show comes at it from that particular angle. Um, and I acknowledge that there are a lot of listeners who don't necessarily, Uh, subscribe to the concept of God being sovereign and and having a purpose and a plan for our lives and all that kind of stuff but there are a lot of listeners that they they do view through that lens and that they are wanting God's blessing on their journey for finding a mate so I guess answer this question from both sides of that fence whether somebody does perceive themselves to be a follower of God versus somebody who's just you know, making their way through the world as best they know how. Um, Let's talk about when someone you are dating has a sketchy past. Maybe, you know, maybe they've had multiple partners in their past, or maybe they have gotten into some sort of trouble way back when. When, when do you look through the lens of, well, everybody has some sort of past and everybody has something that we're not proud of necessarily and everybody has the chance to evolve and i'm going to trust that god's done something in this person's life and and they're not that way anymore versus cutting your losses and getting out of that relationship before (laughs) it gets even you know even more uh we'll just say unique because i think that a lot of people self-sabotage their own personal lives by staying in unhealthy relationships too long giving them too much credit but then again i think there are some people who cut and run too fast by not giving that person the opportunity to really earn their trust by showing that their character has evolved and that they have changed so do you have any particular thoughts on that how do you know when to when to fold and run and how do you know when to hang in there and let this person show you who they've become
1: the first thing i think we always have to do and this may seem uh is look in the mirror. And what I mean by that is we have to first be honest with ourselves and know what it is we are willing to accept and what we aren't willing to accept. So for some people, a person's sexual history, using that as an example, if they know for a fact that that is something that will always linger in the back of their mind and that they will never be able to truly have peace in that aspect of the relationship, then I think that that is a reason for that person to definitely consider parting ways with that individual. And the main reason, whether a person, or I should put it like this, the main key thing to focus in on, whether you are a person of faith or you aren't, whether you're a believer in God or you're not, is whether or not you have peace. I think it's really underrated that people don't take the time to focus in on their peace level, at any given time of their life, especially in relationships. And if somebody shares something with you in confidence, clearly, that you have a very difficult time finding peace on. I mean, if it's something that for those believers out there, you prayed about it, you've asked God to help you to accept it, and you just can't shake it, you just can't get the peace, I think that's a sign that's letting you know, hey, you know what, this may be a great person, but there's something about them that just will not allow you to let them into a certain part of your heart and into your life. That doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't mean that you're wrong for doing that. It just means that you have a higher standard. And I just feel like that's the best way for me to put it is you have a standard that you set, and I don't think anybody should lower their standards under certain circumstances. And in this instance, I think that that person needs to do what is most peaceful for them and not proceed in a relationship where they know they won't be able to accept their partner for who they are.
0: I was going to say, I think that it boils down to knowing yourself, knowing what you can empathize with and understand versus knowing what you really can't wrap your brain around or fully accept about someone. And I've often heard it said that the biggest mistake that a person makes is assuming that once I marry this person, I'm going to change them. And so if something is bothering you really deeply before marriage, please don't walk into marriage thinking that you're going to change that about them, but give them time that if they have changed themselves, give them an opportunity to show that to you Mm -hmm. and and give them credit that perhaps they have evolved because we do all evolve. I think of this one particular gal that I knew her way back when we were in our early thirties and her entire 20s and earliest of 30s, she was saying, oh, I could never be with someone who had already been married. I just, I, I want, you know, I, in her mind, she wanted a virgin and she wanted, uh, you know, a guy who had never had, you know, a serious relationship. She wanted to be his one and only type of a thing. Well, fast forward the tape eight years, she has found herself married to a guy who was divorced but he is rock solid. His character is impeccable. He's absolutely amazing. And I asked her, I said, so when did you change your trajectory that you had to find the guy who had never been married before? <laughs> and she said, It was becoming friends with him and just getting to know him Mm -hmm. that I realized how judgmental I was being and just assuming that anybody who had relational trauma in their past would not be a good mate. And she was like, I couldn't ask for a better husband. So she said, I'm so glad that I myself evolved in how I perceive people. Um, So yeah, just any other examples or advice you wanna toss out there before we wrap up this really intriguing conversation?
1: Yeah, so that example that you just gave is a good one, and it reminds me of a biblical principle in Proverbs 3 and 6, where it tells us in all our ways to acknowledge and to know God, and I think when we do that, he'll make our path straight, smooth, and remove obstacles, I think is what the Amplified Version states, and I think that that is a great illustration of that in practice, where a person was able to acknowledge that, hey, you know what? Like I had a certain stance that I took, but I think part of her being able to move forward, not only just being able to develop that friendship, but if she was a believer, just trusting that, you know what? God wouldn't have brought this person into my life, first and foremost, as a friend. I mean, you accepted the person as a friend and now you're at a place where you can develop a relationship with them. Understand that things will work out if that is something that you're willing to work through. And when it comes to other instances, I mean, there, people, people have had sketchy past. and it really boils down to aside from the peace thing and looking at ourselves, whether or not that person is at a place where they've really made a change. And that is where discernment really comes into play because it's one thing for a person to have a past, have been open and honest about their past. But if they haven't healed, if it was something traumatic or if it was bad character qualities or traits that they had, if they haven't improved them or changed them, or aren't currently in the process of doing so, then I think that's a reason to leave as well. It's different if a person is just coming to the table saying this is who I was and this is what my past was. And honestly, it's who you still are. (laughs) In that case, if that's not something that I want to accept, it's not just because it was in your past, but it's brought into your present and I don't want it in my future. So I think that that's an instance where a person may need to say, hey, you know what? This isn't the right situation or the right person for me.
0: Excellent. All right. So I've been looking over our notes and trying to come up with some encapsulations here. So I love that expression. You're not looking for someone who's perfect, just someone who's perfect for you. And that includes somebody who's going to annoy us and and sharpen us and call our annoyances to to attention and all of that jazz. So somebody we can grow with. Don't judge too harshly, uh, but be honest with yourself about what your standards are look in the mirror and make sure that you are focusing on being uh, a credible and trustworthy mate yourself. And I I also love that expression that you just, well, this is referring to women, but if you just focus on becoming Mrs. Wright, you'll attract Mr. Wright. But if you're in hot pursuit of Mr. Wright, you're going to come up empty handed. So, yeah, focus on yourself, look in the mirror, know what your standards are. Don't expect perfection. But at the biggest takeaway that I got from this conversation, Jonathan, is when you said follow the peace. That really, really resonated with me because I do think that sometimes people are so hungry and maybe even desperate for a relationship that they overlook red flags that are really blaring to other people. So when your family or friends are pulling you aside and trying to communicate what they see that you don't see, I would encourage you to really give that serious time and consideration and because love is love makes you blind. Sometimes you just totally overlook those red flags because you so want someone in your life, but you don't want the wrong person in your life because I would much rather see someone be single and satisfied than to be married and miserable. There is no worse state than being married and miserable. So and Emanuel, tell everybody again, how they can find your podcast.
1: Most definitely. You guys can. The Right to Real Love Radio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, or even over on right com. And if you have maybe just two minutes, can I just share one last thing, if you don't mind? Sure. Shannon? Yeah. So failing to improve. I know we touched a little bit on it, but I just want to emphasize the fact that we all have areas in our life that we need to be improving on. And if you are a person that feels like you've got it all together or you're totally content with where you are and you're not working towards improving yourself, that is a form of self-sabotage. So I would just encourage people to always be in the practice of evaluating where you are, what areas you can improve in and put in that work.
0: I could not agree more when people just complain that your partner is criticizing you and instead of just recognizing oh, they're calling one of my weaknesses to my attention. This is my opportunity to work on that and grow and become stronger. Yeah, that can really sabotage a relationship. Jonathan, I appreciate your vulnerability with us today. I, I kind of put you on the hot spot asking you to to <laughs> divulge uh, your relationship status and the lessons that you have learned uh, in graduating from the School of Hard Knocks. So can I be vulnerable with you in closing?
1: Yes, yes. I, most I know
0: that we had this interview scheduled for three o'clock, but I didn't turn on Zoom until 3.01 because... I wanted to put on lipstick for you. That's
1: why
0: you run back downstairs.
1: <laughs> Yo, and, and you want to know how the it whole works. time
0: I'm like, oh my gosh, does he think that I was being disrespectful because no. I was a minute late?
1: <laughs> Yo, you you want to know how God works? Yo, this is a God thing, right? So I I'm like I told you, I'm always early. So I was on Skype at two fifty five, right? And what? or Zoom, I was on Zoom at two fifty five. Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> Shannon, watch this, this is God. Right when it was 2.59, literally my computer screen just went black. I couldn't explain it. I was sitting in front of my computer screen. I'm like, what just happened? Like, it's almost three o'clock. I'm about to be late. So I'm like pressing like the button, like enter trying to get my screen to pop on and it pops on right at three o'clock. And I'm like, okay, well now I've been shut out of Zoom. So I had to get on and I was like, man, I hope she isn't mad. I'm one minute late. (laughs) So that's God, yo. (laughs) I love it.
0: I tell we're even in sync in our flaws, huh? Right. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So Jonathan, you know that after this episode airs, I'm probably going to get a few emails saying, I want to meet him or I I think he'd be great for my daughter or whatever. (laughs) What is your philosophy on when people want to set you up on some sort of blind date? Because I know some single people, they have a, a big pet peeve about that. What are your thoughts?
1: I'll be honest. I am totally open to it. A few years back, I was so focused in on being single and about my purpose that I really was looking down and not looking up. But I'm at a place now where I'm definitely open to it. If you or other friends that I know and I trust would send the right people along my way, then I say, by all means, make it happen.
0: Uh, I think that that's a really healthy attitude because we, we never know when we're so focused on you our never purpose <laughs> when God has a different plan in store for us. So good for you for remaining open. That's the exact advice that I give to single people. Don't be afraid of putting yourself out there and even mm-hmm. letting the close people in your life know that I would be really open to meeting someone if you were to encounter a girl or a guy that you think would be a good fit for me. So right. yeah, awesome. Awesome. And if you are someone who is going 35, Detroit, Michigan, you know what, just send me an email at on tap at shannonethers.com and I will comb through the applications to get Jonathan's (laughs) attention. Um, (laughs) Thank you again so much, Jonathan. It is always a pleasure to connect with you, my friend. And I seriously do consider you a friend. I hope that this has been a blessing to all you singles because I know that you want sexual and relational confidence moving forward in your life as well. But I would say that if you are married and you eavesdropped in on this conversation, there was a lot of great takeaways here for married people as well, particularly that stop improving thing like don't stop improving, don't stop trying to impress and woo and pursue your mate because you will feel better as a result. So we thank you for listening to another episode of Sexual Confidence On Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. Email us again on tap at shannonetheridge.com or if you want to give us a call it's 321-30-ON-TAP. We love you for listening and we thank you for tapping on us.